What is going on, everybody? This is Candler English here with Training Ground Garage Talks. This is a space where we have open discussions about what it means to be a Christ-centered man in today's world. And we're so pumped to have you here with us. Let's dive in. <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is uh, Candler English here with Corey Smith and Lee Hollis. Yo, yo. And, um, yeah, we're kind of just, I don't know, kind of almost doing a little, like, recap of this past series that we've been doing. Um, kind of talking about story work and life lessons and, and even just our own stories. Um, we kind of wanted to just, I don't know, almost do, like, a little roundtable panel <laughs> yeah, I think, of ourselves. You know, for us, like, this, it came, these small conversations came out of kind of our post-conversations. Yeah. Of what we've offered in our in in the you know kind of getting to know the host. So, you know, Lee had a great idea of kind of doing a part two montage of kind of maybe even our reflections a little bit. You know, post podcast. Yeah. Um. You know, of kind of how you know there was a little bit more content we felt like we needed to offer. So yeah, things that kind of struck us, or you know. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with you, Lee. I mean, I know you talked a lot about um. In, through your podcast, like that, the defining line of doing good work, but also letting victimhood becoming an identity. Yeah. 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 I, uh, Corey and I were talking about it downstairs. And, and during the process of, you know, me understanding my story and doing that, uh, we talked a little bit about it in, in the podcast where people were giving me some really bad advice. Like, yeah. don't look at your story, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I moved here and people were like, look at your story. Yeah. You know, and then like people are like, don't be a victim. And like, you were a victim. And like, I was just caught up in the middle of it. Like, what do I do? Should I, shouldn't I, am I, aren't I? And, uh. and, you know, and Corey and I were just talking downstairs. Like there was a time in our relationship where he was like, don't be a victim. And it really, I don't know. It really bothered me at the time. And I think. Part of it was the confusion of like, well, aren't I or aren't I or yeah. you know, and um, I think at the time I received it as though like my story wasn't legit, and uh, Curry brought some great perspective on it. But in the moment, like the whole idea of being a victim was something that I had fought for. Yeah, you know, right. like I had to like, like yes, this was wrong mm-hmm. and this happened to me, and yeah. when I heard people say don't be a victim I was like well it happened yeah mm-hmm. I was a victim yeah I know and it's almost like they're negating you know right that hurt and that pain and that's like yeah. what I felt you know in the moment in the tinge of the moment but I think Corey had some great perspective on it I don't know if you want to talk about that sure yeah it was this and I mean again uh, just to be clear this is you know, this is in the context of a relationship that's right. over a decade. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and Lee and I have lived some life together and we're in these these conversations almost daily. So I want to bring some context to this. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. like... He's a real like, jerk, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I think probably part of it is, um, you know, for me, and, and again, I mean... I don't know. I mean, in the context of having a relationship that you you trust and that you are secure in, these conversations are kind of an everyday kind of yeah, how you relate. So, 
Um, so that, with that being said, the idea, you know, we were talking downstairs about this victim piece and it was the idea of, um, what was Lee a victim? Yes, he was a victim, but there's also a place on the other side that he doesn't have to live from that victim place. So he has that choice. And, and for me, I mean, sure. I mean, I, this has been years of, of, you know, kind of talking about victim stuff. Um, you know, I probably in what well, I mishandled, you know, Lee in that space just because that part of me was growing. And so, um, you know, so to offer some more color to that conversation was this idea that you, um, Lee, you were a victim of abuse, but it's not who you it's not your identity now. Mm. Like you don't you have a choice to live from that place. Um, and it's not negating the fact that that did happen to you, the injustice happened to you. Mm-hmm. But for me as a friend, I was just trying to do my best to fight for him to go, hey, that's not the, the, the greatest thing about you mm-hmm. is your abuse, that you're an abuse victim. You know, that's not that's not. Um, but the, the, the most beautiful thing about you is your free, the freedom, the free part of, of your soul and your presence that you offer. And so. There is this balance, right? It's not. It's not saying it didn't happen. It's not saying there was there was no injustice, but it's also saying you have a choice to not live from that place. If, well, if that, and I, and yeah. I think even more than that, not only just not you have the choice, but you you are not weak. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. are not without. Full, yeah, you have power. You, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like you can live from a different place than where you were when you were victimized. Right, and that's probably a good thing, too, to talk about in the sense of, like, the abuse piece makes you feel powerless, hmm. right? But I th- I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe I was trying to help you live from a place of power, right, to say you have the power, you know, and I gosh, man, that's that's a whole nother series of podcasts, but just in the idea of, you know, giving people back the power, mm. you know, and we talked about it even with Candler, you know, in your story of if, you know, if you haven't listened to Candler's story, go back and listen to the podcast. But the idea that you have power, yeah. right, to choose life now. And so it is interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of fun to kind of verbally process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was good to talk to you after you listened to the podcast and just even identify that part of our history um, and, and to bring the important clarification that we can't deny the things that have happened, uh, but it doesn't have to determine who we are or what's possible in the next part. Um, in, in many ways, having been a victim, uh, you're actually stronger. Yeah. Because you've made it through. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and so, you know, can we walk in the strength and and just look at some of those things that happened as though they were traffic, mm. traffic that we drove through, not you know, like if I drive through the state of Montana, I don't become Montana. Yeah, absolutely. I drove through Montana. You've seen Montana. You've yeah, experienced exactly. Montana. But you are not Montana. Exactly. <laughs> I bought the T-shirt. Yeah. I exactly heart right. Montana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't heart trauma, but but <laughs> yeah. but the idea that you know um, it, I went through trauma. Yeah. I didn't stay there. No. I'm not stuck there. I've experienced it. I've seen the sights, whatever. But I don't. I don't live in trauma. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Uh, Corey, uh, you know, as we're thinking about stories, I was just thinking like when you were talking about self care, um, you know, we 
uh, I remember a time where you were not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just wondering, like, as you think about that, like, you, because your self-care came out of that. Right. Like, what do you remember about that time period of your life? Uh, as it relates to what you were talking about on the podcast. Sure, yeah. I mean, some indicators, I think that's what you're asking, kind of like some symptoms. Uh, Two come pretty quick. One, um, certainly just exhaustion, um, and um, that can be emotional or physical. I mean, especially with the work we do at Training Ground, my life has always felt like there's seasons and there's cycles, like, for me, you know, um, even my time with Young Life, it felt like my my life revolved around the school year. So, you know, you work hard in the fall, you know, and you work hard in the spring, and then you're kind of off in the summer. And now we've kind of flipped that with training around where, you know, our, our, you know, the main bulk of our time is in, the, you know, the three months during the summer. But, you know, I can remember finishing programs and being like, I don't want to talk to anybody for like three or four weeks. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be in a phone call. I don't want to, you know, respond to an email. It's just that it's not a, it's not a sustainable pace long term. Um, and so I also, you know, the second symptom probably in that was um, my relationships suffer. So if I if I'm if I'm going, wait a minute, I'm really lonely right now. If I have that feeling, it's probably because I'm not I'm not bringing in the self care because. I, it's not a give and take in relationship, right? It's not a like, I'll serve you, you serve me. It's not symbiotic. And so because my whole side of the relationship is desert. Mm. So I, you know, one of those symptoms for me was loneliness. I would walk out and be like, you know, what are my, you know, what are my symptoms for loneliness? Is it, you know, is it where I am, you know, with, you know, any type of coping mechanism, uh, where I'm trying to kind of meet a need that where I feel lonely. So it'd be interesting because I like if I was just thinking like if we were to get Christine in here, sure, she could probably almost say the same thing. Yep, because you yep. weren't taking care of yourself. Right, she was lonely. Right, mm-hmm. right, because I wasn't there to offer myself, which. Last night she did say she wanted to be on a podcast. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. I was like, ah, <laughs> I have to highly edit that one. No, I, um, no way, no way. No, like, no, we're gonna go full throttle. <laughs> no, but I would say, like for me, in the in those places, yeah, it is. It is uh, one of those. You know, you know, he's bringing up the fact that you know my wife Christine would be able to understand you know uh, relationally if I was in a healthy place or not. Um, you know, that is a good indication of those that are around you that, you know, kind of can gauge where you are, yeah. you know, in that process of self-care. Um, and hopefully they say something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, you had a heart attack in 2015. Mm-hmm. Would, what part of self-care or not self-care was a part of that? I mean, there's some family history, right? There is. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. But I also could kind of lend myself to... Um, a lot of pace and anxiety, you know, a lot of that goes back into my story of me believing it's all up to me to come through, you know, and I mean, living, I mean, and that's just not the truth. So, you know, living from a place of lies and then, you know, the self-care for me long-term is, you know, evaluating what, what truths I'm living from. Mm So, you know, previous to that, where it's like, if I believe it's all up to me, you know, I'm working way too much. I'm and probably even more importantly, you know, even in my downtime, I'm thinking I'm strategizing. I'm thinking about relationships or donors or like 
participants, you know, and I'm running from this place of like never being able to turn it off. And, and again, I mean, it's just not, it's to a place where like even that emotional state affects your physical body. Like you, whether you're in pain or, you know, and I know so many people that how their emotional status affects their physical status. Yeah. And, you know, whether how they're sleeping or how they're coping, you know, whether that's with addiction or things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that pace, when you're living from a place of, you know, lies, or at least that I was believing, you know, I think that's how, you know, self-care changes over time where you're saying, you know, how do you turn it off? It's a valuable question. Well, I mean, having been here through all that time period, like I, I, we had already talked about some of these changes before the heart attack and you're Mm -hmm. already beginning to grow and mature and then the heart attack happened and that certainly expedited things. Accelerated some self-care. But I think there is a sense of manicness around you before that point, but, but you bring more calm and steadiness and balance, I guess. Right. The more and more you walk into all that health and healing, Mm -hmm. which is, which Mm -hmm. is kind of cool. So thanks for thanks for acknowledging that. <laughs> I feel like it's an SNL skit right now. <laughs> anyway, so Candler, one of the things, if we can move to you, because yeah. we got about eight minutes left here. Um, like one of the things I, that I kind of saw you talking about is like your pre. Maybe this is a gospel according to Training Ground. Yeah, you know, but like the your pre life before. Training ground was as though everything was on a razor's edge. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're saved, you're not saved. You're good, you're bad. You know, you're healthy, you're unhealthy. You know, like there's no, there was no middle ground. But it sounded like that changed for you. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. Can we t- spend a few minutes talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and yeah, I, I've kind of been processing even my time in New York and getting saved and stepping into a relationship that really wasn't healthy. Um, and and how the two that relationship and my view of the Lord, like this girl I was dating, like I've kind of we've touched on before in previous episodes, but was very um, like held me to this ridiculously high standard, like you know to the point where like you know I I couldn't have any female friends, mm-hmm. I couldn't, and that was like a reality for me for three years of just being on eggshells so much. Right. And I, I think a lot of that colored how mm-hmm. I saw the Lord because we you know we mm-hmm. met in church, we would always serve together. Um, so I had this. Um, I was probably the most righteous person I knew <laughs> um, in the sense of self-righteous, like, self-righteous absolutely. Um, definitely not, uh, you know, but, but at the same time, I was like, I just looked the classic thing of like cup is clean on the outside, but just like, not that I had any crazy hidden secrets or anything, but that state of having to be pretty much, I was trying to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you do that, you really have no need for them. Um, you know, obviously you do, but you don't see that you do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, a lot of that, really, even in my time after New York and in North Carolina before I came to training ground, was kind of crumbling, not necessarily from the sense of, okay, I know there's something better, but because it wasn't sustainable, that walking on that, you know, that razor's edge, like you said, and... Hmm. Um, 
It sounds almost like you were trying to do rather than be. Yeah, completely. Kind of, kind of like, I mean, we were talking about being authentic, but as soon as you try to be authentic, you're not. Yeah. Because you're you're putting on something. You're trying, yeah. You know, like, I can't try to be authentic because that's, you cancel that out. Like, yeah. you just it are authentic. Work. Oxymoron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why, like, like, you're not trying to be righteous, but you rest in the righteousness that you have. Completely, yeah. And and sometimes for me, like, like my idea of what Christian maturity looked like growing up is way different now. Oh yeah. Like the, a mature Christian for me now is not afraid to have flaws. Yeah, completely. And, and to and to sh- expose those things. Yeah, and to know that because I mean, again, like, and that was one of the biggest things for me in TG. Like, kind of we talked about on the previous episode of, um, I I finally have a need for Christ. As weird as that sounds, like it's coming to me like, like even as I'm like going to church and worshiping and things or just like have these little like practices, like, you know, I'm not reading my Bible like I was like I was journaling every day, like reading all my and literally a buddy came to me and was praying over me, praying over me, like prophesying and things. And he said, dude, like he finished praying and was like, man, like God doesn't care about how much you read your Bible because he knew that that had turned into an Mm, idol mm -hmm. for me. Um, so yeah, and now, and you even talked about like, you know, we talked about a little before we started recording of like the road of grace, the road of grace is not a narrow, you know, we hear, like you said, I'm quoting Lee Hollis, (laughs) (laughs) Lee Hollis, 2022, um, of like, there is, we have this idea in scripture that there's this tiny narrow path and we got to do, it's like pretty much, we have to be like. Pharisaical, like we have to just like leave these tiny, skinny Every lives. Step has to be right, and yeah, exact, and, right. Yeah. And 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 you talked about you know you can flail on the road of grace because it's so wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, and I had mentioned this previously, but I had the view of if I take the wrong turn, I'm falling off the road and into the ditch. Hmm. And then I have to do more, climb up this steep embankment to get back to where I was. And not only like, am I not moving forward, but I'm just back to where I was. Hmm. There was no progress where in training ground. I think what I've learned is when we hit the ditch or these little low moments in life, we're actually moving forward. Hmm. Because we're learning and we have the tools to be able to deal with those things. Like you said, you know, you're not why we're moving through Wyoming, but we aren't Wyoming. We are trauma. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it feels like you had this theology of like either you're in or out. Yeah. And completely black and white. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder too, like, I, I mean, I, I, we kind of all have those similar stories and I'm wondering, you know, I kind of, a, you know, a thought that has been going through my head recently is like we build the narrative that serves us the best. Yeah. And I'm wondering in those stories how that theology served us. Like, mm. was it, did it confirm that we were just garbage? Like, did it just confirm that we were failures, mm-hmm. you know, or something? I, I mean, I'm willing to kind of hash this out a little bit, but, you know, in terms of that theology, you know, did it, I don't know. How, how did it serve us? And then, like, what's the risk? You know, like, if if everyone, you know, I don't know. What yeah, do you, you think of You're on a soapbox right now. Sorry. <laughs> like, like I, I, I visited a church, and I walked in the lobby just a few minutes late because I was with people that had two toddlers. 
and every music, all the music, the worship music being broadcast out was basically like we are worms. Yeah. We are worms. Yeah. Yeah. We just better be happy that God even wants to glance our direction. Yeah, we're trying. I'm just like, I just am so tired of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exhausting. All, <laughs> yeah. It is. Because like our father is the most wealthy, most resourced, most powerful man in the universe. Yeah. And he chose us. Yeah. And he does not want us for a second to feel like, you know, we're a third-rate child that has to live out in the in a shed in the backyard. Yeah. He's like, come into the palace. Come mm. live with me and be my son and, like, put your shoulders back and live mm. and have joy, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like people saying we're just human. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we are at the top of the creation. Like, Absolutely. God put all the best in us. And to say we're just human, like... It's like, it's like you giving me your very best thing, and me like, oh, it's just your gift, you know. Yeah. But we're we're human. That's amazing, like at the top of the pile, and we're God's child. And like, where is the joy? Mm-hmm. And where is the living out of joy and out of that position? And um, I understand the worm part, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reality, but there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. None. Yeah. And in some ways, that for me, that means uh, <laughs> our sin is irrelevant. In as much as we have to live with the ramifications of our actions, our sin is irrelevant because of the grace of God. Because it says later in Romans that he does not condemn us or does not accuse us. Like, if God doesn't condemn us and Jesus doesn't accuse us, who the hell else matters? Yeah. I don't matter. <laughs> You know, my opinion of myself don't, doesn't matter, but it can hold me back. And I am so on a soapbox right yes, now. Yes, And it. we are running out of time. Reverend, <laughs> Reverend, <laughs> Reverend, the bishop. <laughs> this message will be available, <laughs> the, uh, this recording of this message will be <laughs> in the lobby on CD. No, I, um, I digress. No, but it's good. But it's the idea. It's like, you know, it is good to kind of dissect that part. You know, where Lee, you know, we are we are kind of always evaluating and reevaluating what we believe. And that's maybe all of our part two stories are going, yes, how are we continually pressing into our own lives and how what we believe is true about God and how are we doing that in community with each other? You know, we are we're all doing that on this platform is the idea whether or not, you know, Lee and I are talking about victim you know, you are a victim, but your identity is not a victim. You know, when we're talking about, you know, Candler going through the training ground program and kind of, you know, uh, you know going through an upside down washing machine, you know, coming out, you know, new with this, you know, a newer theology of how he, you know, embraces grace. And even me, you know, understanding what does it mean to take care of myself for the sake of myself, my walk with God and my walk with others. Yeah. Like all of those are in we, we're all holding on to this you know, this evaluation and reevaluation of our lives. So there is, as you say that there is a working out of the gospel yeah. in each one of those stories. Yeah, yeah. there is. Which yeah. I think is a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and for our listeners there, it's God c- c- continually working out the story of gospel of, of grace for them. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. This well, yeah. Fun. Yeah. It's been a blast. Y'all. So, thanks so much for uh, tuning in and we'll see y'all next time. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for TG Garage Talks. We are currently accepting applications for Training Ground Colorado 2022 and Training Ground Chattanooga 2022. 
Now guys, I cannot begin to tell you how life-changing Training Ground has been for me. So if anything we've talked about in this episode or in other episodes have stirred anything in your heart, um, please, man, look into coming out with us. It's going to be a blast and we can't wait to have you. You can find us at www.trainingground.com and you can also find us on Instagram at Training Ground Colorado as well as Training Ground Chattanooga. Well, until next time, guys, this has been Candler English with Training Ground Garage Talks. See you soon.